This podcast is brought to you by the IIEA, the Institute of International and European Affairs. Join the discussion on IIEA.com and access our engaging videos, blogs and podcasts. Good morning. I'm pleased to welcome you to this IIEA webinar. My name is Michael Collins and I am the Director General of the IIEA, the Institute of International and European Affairs here in Dublin. We're delighted to be joined today by Mara Sefcovic, the Vice President of the European Commission for Interinstitutional Relations and Foresight, and most importantly for today's purposes, co-chair of the EU-UK Joint Committee and Partnership Council. Very pleased to welcome the Commissioner back to Dublin. He was here previously in 2012, this time virtually, of course, and of course an awful lot has changed in the meantime. I think it's fair to say that we could hardly have a more relevant speaker at this time at the Institute. We are again at a critical juncture on issues surrounding the Northern Ireland Protocol, issues of enormous importance uh, to relations on and between these islands and between the UK and the Europe its European neighbours. Vice President uh, represents the interests of the European Union and of course Ireland in navigating a way forward and in finding solutions to some very sensitive and tricky issues. Vice President Shevswich will speak to us for about 20 minutes, and then we will go to the Q&A session with you, our audience. You'll be able to join the discussion in the usual way using the Q&A function on Zoom, which I think is now familiar to everybody. Please feel free to send your questions in throughout the session as they occur to you, and we will come to them once the Vice President has finished his presentation. A reminder that today's presentation and the Q&A are both on the record, and please do feel free to join the discussion on Twitter using the handle at IIEA. By way of further background, uh, prior to taking on his current responsibilities, from 2010 to 2019, uh, uh, Vice President Shevkovich was Vice President of the European Commission responsible for Interinstitutional Relations and Administration, and subsequently the Energy Union. Prior to this, he served as Commissioner for Education, Training, Culture and Youth. He previously served as a member of the Slovak Diplomatic Corps in Zimbabwe and Canada, as Ambassador to Israel and as Permanent Representative to the EU. Vice President Shevkovich holds a PhD in European Law from Comenius University in Bratislava. Vice President, Commissioner, you're very welcome. The floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you very much once again for your kind invitation. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Akorja. Uh, as you see, I'm learning, uh, learning Irish now because I think I need it uh, in my, in my uh, very frequent contacts with Ireland and uh, Northern Ireland. And I really would like to uh, thank you, dear Michael and dear Andrew, for your kind invitation. Also for reminding us how the time is indeed flying. I, I thought that it was yesterday and it just reminded me that it was really a couple of years ago when I visited uh, that time. Of course, physically, uh, your prestigious uh, uh, institute, because I know uh, that uh, the Institute of International and uh, European Affairs plays extremely important role in, debate, in debating European democracy, and therefore, I very much appreciate your invitation, and indeed, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be talking to you and uh, to your audience uh, uh, this morning. If you allow me, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to start uh, with one thing that uh, sometimes gets lost uh, in uh, the debate uh, around uh, Brexit. Uh, and this is the depth of support uh, uh, for the European 
Union in Ireland, which is indeed very, very impressive. A recent uh, uh, Red Sea opinion poll found that over 80% of Irish adults believe Ireland should remain a member of the European Union. And I think that this is uh, no surprise to me because I visited your beautiful country many times. And I'm also coming from a small member state myself. And uh, I know the enormous advantages the EU membership uh, can bring. Not at least uh, it's like uh, being in uh, the family because when a family member is in trouble, the whole clan is there to help. And that is uh, why the EU has shown such a strong solidarity with Ireland uh, over past uh, a uh, few years uh, as it has faced up to the reality of Brexit. This support has come in uh, many ways, uh, not least financially, as uh, Ireland is by far the most affected member states uh, in the EU. As you know, just one example, the Council recently approved uh, the 5 billion euros of uh, Brexit adjustment reserve. And this will, uh, this will support the regions, the sectors, the communities hit hardest by uh, Brexit. And Ireland will benefit the most from this fund receiving over 1 billion euros. But as we all know, um, it's not all about the money. Ever since uh, the outcome of the Brexit referendum back in uh, 2016, it has been clear to us that protecting peace and stability on the island of Ireland must be our number one priority. And that is exactly what it has become. As you know, the EU has an unbreakable commitment to the people uh, of Northern Ireland and across the island of Ireland. We have spared no effort to ensure that the peace, stability and prosperity uh, they have enjoyed over the last uh, 20 years uh, is preserved. After all, the EU is a peace project itself. That is why we're continuing to support the Peace Plus program together with the UK and the Irish governments, which amounts uh, to around uh, 1 billion euros as well. But that's not all. We're also working hard to overcome of the difficulties that the people and businesses in Northern Ireland are experiencing regarding the implementation uh, of the protocol. Before I turn into details, let me highlight the underlying points which we uh, sometimes lose the sight of as well. The European Union's overall objective is to establish positive and stable relationship with the United Kingdom. Despite uh, the recent difficulties, we remain partners with shared values, faced with the same global challenges such as climate emergency. Our relationship is now based on two agreements, the withdrawal agreement and the trade and cooperation agreement. The UK government negotiated, agreed and signed both these agreements, including the uh, protocol on uh, Ireland and Northern Ireland, the subject of uh, today's discussion. And as you know very well, the UK parliament ratified all these agreements just uh, uh, not that many months ago. Having exercised, uh, having exercised its sovereign right to enter into uh, such international agreements, uh, the UK government now carries the responsibility of respecting them. This is all the more important given how difficult it was uh, uh, to reach agreement 
it took countless hours of intense line-by-line -line negotiations. But eventually, we achieved what the times uh, seemed impossible, ensuring the UK's orderly withdrawal from the EU and establishing the foundations of the new ambitious relationship uh, between two strong partners. Without any shadow of a doubt, reaching consensus on Northern Ireland was the most challenging part of those negotiations. Together, uh, though, we did find a solution, the Protocol on Ireland and Northern Ireland. As you know well, it serves the number of purposes. It protects the Good Friday Belfast Agreement in all its parts, respects the constitutional order of the United Kingdom, avoids the hard border on the island of um, Ireland, and preserves the integrity of the EU single market while ensuring that the UK as a whole leaves both the single market and the EU's custom union, a key demand of uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson. This solution was shaped, agreed, and approved together by both sides. We therefore also share responsibility for making it work on the ground. On the UK side, it agreed that the EU rules on ground, uh, the EU rules on uh, goods uh, would remain applicable to Northern Ireland. And in doing so, it accepted that, it, uh, that this would mean checks on goods moving between Great Britain and Northern Ireland, acknowledging a role for the EU institutions. This is uh, the only way to avoid the hard border between North and South. On the EU side, we agreed uh, that the UK would uh, carry out those checks and controls on our, on our behalf, an unprecedented gesture, I'm sure you would agree. No other jurisdiction uh, in the world had done this before. This solution required compromise. Everyone around the table understood uh, what these compromises meant in practice. And the implementation of this agreement will continue to require compromise from both sides. Our overarching priority throughout this process has been the people of Northern Ireland. Regardless uh, uh, of their identity or political outlook, and of course, the protection of the peace process. We also have a duty towards our uh, consumers to ensure that there are no risks from products imported from the country with different health and safety standards. While the negotiations were difficult, the outcome now presents a real opportunity for Northern Ireland and the island of Ireland. This was one of my key messages when I was in Northern Ireland recently. The exchanges I had uh, uh, during my visit only strengthened my conviction of the enormous benefits on offer to Northern Ireland. In particular, its unparalleled access to two of the world's largest market with more than 500 million consumers can be a powerful magnet for foreign investments translated into jobs and growth. As one of the business leaders I met in Northern Ireland put it, you can have jam on both sides of your bread. That's uh, uh, certainly one way to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Northern Ireland can trade freely with the EU without having to pay 
for this unique access uh, to our single market. And I know uh, that the business community in Northern Ireland and across the island of Ireland is keen to take advantage of this opportunity. I'm sure that border uh, communities are equally as positive about its potential. That's why I have uh, raised uh, the idea of uh, investment conferences to install the confidence in a business community in Northern Ireland and to pave the way for further opportunity. We are already seeing a significant number of investment inquiries, especially from the United States, Canada, and the EU. But if uh, we are to turn this opportunity into reality, the protocol must be properly implemented. Over the past month, my colleagues in the EU and I have made every effort to respond to outstanding problems with creative and uh, solid new solutions. But the spirit of compromise needs to be mutual one as our responsibility is also a shared one. The protocol is not the problem. On the contrary, it is the only solution we have. Failing uh, to apply it will not make problems disappear, but simply take away the tools to solve them. Simply opposing the protocol without providing real solutions won't make the problems go away either. Rather, we are seeking solutions that work for all, including those opposed to the protocol. The EU has already tabled and adopted several practical uh, solutions to overcome the difficulties felt uh, on the ground. Most recently, on the 30th of June, the Commission put forward a package of measures, including our commitment to change uh, our own uh, rules to ensure the long-term supply of medicine from Great Britain to Northern Ireland. But I also need to be honest. While we will continue looking for solutions to minimize the effects of uh, Brexit on everyday lives, we will never be able to remove them entirely. Such are the consequences of Brexit and the choices made uh, by the UK government. The key question now, of course, is where we go from here. As you know, the UK published a common paper on the 21st of July, and uh, we have been engaging intensively with our UK partners uh, ever since. I believe that our focus should be on those issues that matter most to the people of Northern Ireland and their everyday life. In Belfast, I listened to stakeholders and uh, emphasize uh, the need to facilitate east-west trade. That means long-term solution in the food and plant safety, or as we call it, SPS area. I heard businesses ask for further trade facilitations in the area of customs. And I also heard a lot about the need for Northern Irish political institutions and other stakeholders to be properly heard. One issue of vital importance to me echoed uh, throughout my visit is finding a solution for the continued supply of medicines to Northern Ireland, including generics. This way, medicines provided under the NHS, for example, can continue to move into Northern Ireland without any hindrance. This is a complicated area, and we are double, or I would even say triple checking 
with the UK authorities as well as the pharmaceutical companies themselves to ensure that our approach is indeed watertight. I remain convinced that our focus must remain on these areas. We cannot uh, afford to think short-term either. We need long-lasting solutions to provide predictability, stability and certainty in the Northern Ireland. For this effort to be successful, however, it must be done together with our UK partners. Joint engagement for shared solutions. But let me also be clear about what we will not do. We will not renegotiate the protocol as the UK is requesting. And we will not accept solutions which would effectively mean cutting Northern Ireland off from the EU single market and related opportunities. Finally, allow me to touch on Article 16. A lot has been said by the UK politicians about the possibility of the UK triggering Article 16. I do not think that uh, this has been helpful. It distracts us from working together uh, to find solutions, and it would not help us find uh, solutions any quicker. After all, it has taken us five long years to get where we are today. So it is clear that there are no quick, easy fix solutions uh, to what is an extremely complex uh, situation. But uh, I want to close by underlying the positive. I believe that uh, we can find practical solutions to help ensure that the protocol works well on the ground across Northern Ireland and Ireland in urban and rural areas alike. And if uh, the protocol is functioning well in Northern Ireland, uh, it will uh, also be uh, uh, to the benefit of all on both sides of the Irish Sea and across the channel. And here, if you allow me, I would conclude my introductory remarks. I would once again thank you for your uh, kind invitation, for your attention, and I am looking forward to what I'm sure will be a lively discussion. Thank you very much, Michael. This podcast is brought to you by the IIEA, the Institute of International and European Affairs. Join the discussion on IIEA.com and access our engaging videos, blogs and podcasts.